Welcome to One Cause Church. We hope you enjoy this inspirational message. Good evening. Man, that's a good crowd for Monday night, huh? It's a Monday night crowd. Um, <laughs> I got a lot of preliminary things before I start. I've... Uh, I've got a middle ground paper Bible. I've got notes that's real old school. And then I have my iPhone 6 up here so it'll touch everybody's life. <laughs> um, I, I just gotta, I gotta say how privileged I am that Pastor John and Ann, Terry and Sandy Sparks are here in the same place. I'm preaching the word. I'm honored. And I'm not giving you this word because you said those really kind things. But God just spoke this to me. But I got to read it. You know, God has different translations that he uses. And and, uh, I've got to read this out of this right translation. So bear with me. 20. We need the NIV. Okay. So, this is what this verse says. This is Luke 1 and verse 1. And verse 36. No, I didn't. 37. It's a real short verse. But it says this. This is in the NIV. I've got to clear my throat. Um, It says this. No word from God will ever fail. That's what the verse says. Other translations, nothing is impossible with God. But no word that you two have ever sown will ever fail. No word, no investment in any way, in any person's life that you've done from day one does not go unnoticed to God. God notices every word that's been sown. And those words will not return void. Amen? And you've got amazing harvest. And, and what, 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 I wanted, what I wanted to say was about three years ago, this past April I turned 57. And about three years ago I, I came home from church one day and I told my wife, I said, you know what? I have, I've got my papers from God for the rest of my life. And it was that we're to make sure my age and older, you know, 50 and older, whatever you want to call it, we've got to make sure that the the generation behind us gets the baton. Yeah. Yeah. And he said, that those are your papers for the rest of your life. 
And, um, and, and it's not by coincidence that the two of you are here, the four of you guys are here. And, and I just say that to the two of you and to both of you. Our best days are before us. Amen? I mean, our best days, they're going to be really busy days, but they're going to be different days. You know? And, and there's a lot involved. And, and never before in, in the history of the world are we seeing the third and fourth generation getting the baton. It usually has died out. A generation will get it. There's a massive move of God and things begin to happen. And then the next generation kind of gets it. And then by about the third and fourth, it dies out and something new has to happen. But there's something that's continuing to be passed on. People like Brother Hagin that have, that have gone on made sure that the baton was in the right hands with different ones. And, and those guys that are older than myself... People like Brother Copeland and, I mean, you know, a whole vast group of people in different streams of the body of Christ that, that are out there that are making sure that we've got it and we're making sure that the next group gets it, you know. And, and, and everybody needs everybody, but I'm just telling you today, I'm telling the two of you, and we're in agreement for all the guys in this age-type group that... Every one of us catch the vision and realize that our best days are before us. Amen? Right now. I mean, we've had great days in the past, but the best days are ahead of us. In the name of Jesus. Come on, shout amen, somebody. <clears throat> no word from God will ever fail that you have ever sown. Ever. So tonight, <clears throat> my... Uh, Weary, rain-drenched, dirty car pulled into the parking lot. And this guy told me to park it right by the front door on the grass. And I thought, I know my car is dirty. I don't want it right here on the front of the grass. But he pulled me right, in, right by the front door. Oh, well. <clears throat> I don't know you. I mean, I, 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 have I ever met you? He, Oh, okay. Sorry. <clears throat> but uh, <laughs> I knew I'd met you. Yeah, you looked really familiar. Anyway. <clears throat> but when you got up here and did you give announcements last year? Yes, sir. Ooh, man. Anyway, when I was out there, what came to me was God said to me, above and beyond is going to happen in your life. And then you read the scripture out of Luke 6.38. Given it shall be given unto you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. And that's what is in your future. I mean, I mean I'm, I'm saying it directly. That is in your future. And, and the one key thing that it takes for that to happen is having a revelation of the house. And when you have a revelation of the importance of the house of God, this place, you know, the place where you're planted, you know, uh, Psalm 92 says, those who are planted in the house of, uh, of the Lord, they'll flourish in the courts. And the courts represent everything on out from the house. So you'll flourish in everything else that you do. You will flourish above and beyond anything that you can ask or think. I heard that when you had me 
park my car earlier. But it's because you have a revelation of the house. And you keep that revelation. And here's why. Old Testament is the house of God. New Testament, 1 Timothy 3 and somewhere 15, I think it is, says that the house of God is the church, the pillar of truth. Ephesians 1 says that the church is his body. And when you rightly discern the body of Jesus Christ, which is the church, which is the house, then you got it because that's where God's heart is. That's where his eyes are. That's where his, all of his attention is on the church. And when you keep that revelation right, you'll flourish in everything that you do. That's your future. Above and beyond anything that you can ask or think. Amen? Glory to God. Amen. Glory to Jesus. Well, um, Eric and Heather, it's, a, it's an honor and a privilege to preach. Um, I don't know, the more that I preach, more places I go and, and, and preach the word, every time I'm asked to preach, it just, it does something. The, the older I get in age, it, it does something to me. And, and, and there's such an overwhelming honor to preach the word, and, and I'm honored that people would show up to hear the word. And, um, and I don't take that for granted at all, because you could be a lot of different places hearing all other kinds of things, and you could be other places listening to other people preach the word. But tonight you've come, and I believe that you'll receive something, and you won't be the same as when you came in this place because of what the word does. Amen? And our confidence, our confidence and ability in God comes from his word, from the living word. And so tonight I, I believe for great things in Jesus' name. You agree with me? <clears throat> agree with me tonight. Father, we thank you that this is your night and time. And over the next few minutes as we bring word that you've given me to, to minister and to deliver, that word will not return void but accomplish great things in the lives of every single person. And so we thank you, we honor you, and we give you all praise. And everybody said amen, amen. and amen. <clears throat> well, we're going to start in Genesis. And by the time we're done, we'll end in Revelation. No. <clears throat> no, but we're going to start in Genesis 3. Genesis chapter 3. Actually, I'm not. I was going to start there. I'm going to come there in just a minute. So you can hold your place there if you want to, but... Um, I'm going to Psalm 34. Psalm 34 and verse 1. I'm going to read this and then give you the, the title of the message I'm bringing tonight. Verse 1 says, I will bless the Lord. This is a Psalm of David. He said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. And verse 4, David said, I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all of my fears. 
How many fears? All. All of them. He said, I sought the Lord and he heard me. <clears throat> There's something about this passage and, and, and my point and the title of my message tonight is the source of all fear. The source of all fear. Um, I really, I really believe that that one of, in, in, in the years that I've, Becky and I have lived in Kerrville, Texas, we've pastored the same church in July, it'll be 28 years that we've, we've pastored the same church. And um, the main obstacle to the kingdom advancing in people's lives is fear. Amen. And being able to recognize fear in yours or my individual life, being able to recognize that, sometimes it can be very difficult and sometimes can very, be very difficult to admit. To admit that we have fear about a specific thing. God wants every person tonight in this place and all over planet Earth to realize the plan that he had for us before we were. I believe more than anything else, fear is paralyzing and stopping people all over the planet Amen. from being able to hear the voice of God if they're born again, being able to, if they're not born again, being able to pursue God. Fear is keeping people bound up and not fulfilling what their purpose and plan is. You and I, the Bible says this, it's hard to understand this. Your natural mind doesn't, it doesn't compute with your natural mind. But God had a plan for your life before you even were, is what the Bible says. Before I even was, God had a plan for my life. So, we get born into this sinful, fallen world. And as we're born into this world and into the system that's out there, there are a lot of fears that we're born into. And whether you were raised in a family where people knew God or not, somewhere along the road, when you get born again, when an individual gets born again, things maybe that they've been doing in the past were not initially the plan that God had for them. And when God begins to reveal to us individually plans that we have for our lives, there's something that begins to change and happen. But it's very difficult. And, and what's attached to it, not sometimes, all the time, are the, fear, the fears that want to convince us that God's not big enough to make sure that certain things come to pass. And so what, what people will do is things that they're accustomed to and that they're confident in, they'll revert back to those things. Pastor John mentioned that I grew up in a golfing family and, you know, I played golf since I can remember and played high school. I played junior golf and high school golf and college golf and I turned pro for a few years before I got out of it. And... Uh, I just always thought I'd play golf. I, I wasn't born again growing up, knew nothing about God whatsoever. Two months before my 18th birthday, I got born again. And it just, it ruined my high school graduation. 
and <clears throat> probably saved my life is what it did. That's probably what it did. <clears throat> but yeah, but, but things begin to change because all along, even though I loved the game of golf, there was a hole inside of me. And when I got born again, you know, things just weren't the same in the golf world. It wasn't like, you know, God doesn't take something from you. He just has a different plan. See? But he'll never take it from you, but he'll develop his, if, if you submit to him and you draw close to him, he'll put his desires inside of you and then he'll bring those to pass. But there's a lot of fear in that. Right? So, you know, I met my, my wife. Uh, I, I didn't introduce my wife my lovely, awesome wife, my only wife. <laughs> and, and we've been married for 36 years. Yeah. She was 10 and I was 11. And she's the best thing that ever happened in my life. And how, how could I forget to introduce her? And... and She's given me four amazing girls, and we are blessed people. I'm telling you, we are blessed, really blessed. Anyway, where was I going? <laughs> I was going to, oh, yes. And so we, we met in college, and, and, uh, and where was I going with that, with my long story? I was a golfer, and then we met in college, and then... Uh, <laughs> It was a great point I was going to make, too. <laughs> really, really solid point. <laughs> What's that? Oh, yes. Well, I met her, and was, I was, we were in college, playing college golf out in West Texas. And uh, um, so time went on, and, and, uh, and it just wasn't working with golf. And uh, so... I kind of, I've got past college and I played professional for a little while just on a real low level. Played some professional golf for a while, but it just wasn't working. And um, it's because there was no desire because the, you know, the life of God inside of me had other plans. And, and I was wholeheartedly submitting myself to God. And, and as I was doing that, these, these new desires were coming, but there was a fear to give golf up. See, because I was identified with it, I was good at it, you know, and it was supposed to be my future. And I'd had all kinds of dreams about walking up the 18th at the Masters and having a 72-shot lead, you know. And, and, you know, just, I mean, just doing it, I mean, like nobody else. I mean, I had all kinds of dreams growing up about that. And so I was going to have to give those dreams away. But long story short, and to cut it down... When I, actually, I, I, I wouldn't quit trying to play, and so my clubs got stolen. <laughs> and God didn't steal my clubs. They were just in the wrong place at the wrong time because <laughs> I shouldn't have been there, you know. But I'd, lo I'd loaned them to my brother, and he was playing somewhere, and they got, in a, in a, they got stolen from his trunk of his car, and, and that was about it. That, that was God getting my attention. But it wasn't God stealing my clubs. He just took the opportunity to get my attention. Amen? Amen? And, and you got to understand the nature of God. He doesn't steal golf clubs. He doesn't need them. <laughs> right. So, so 
The main thing that I realized is that I was afraid of something that was really hindering me. I was afraid of giving something up that wasn't supposed to be a part of my life. Now I'm a golfer. I still play. I love golf. And I, and I, and I, I, I enjoy it. But it wasn't in God's plan. Amen. Pastoring was in God's plan. And the fear of that held me in bondage and kept my destiny from being fulfilled. And I came here tonight. I, I mean, and, and I just... I just put this piece together just early on, just the last little bit of driving up here. And, and, and I heard God say, I want this message ministered tonight because there's some people that need to let go of some things that fear has kept them in bondage. Amen. And, and uh, you know, a lot of times we identify fear as like the fear of the dark or the fear of one thing or another. But the fear that I'm talking about has to do with being afraid of going forward in what God has for you. Amen. See, see, my dad was a golfer, so, you know, duh, I'm going to play golf. So, I was good at it, so that, sh that has to be my future. Well, had I not gotten born again, I would have just stayed with that. And had I, had I gotten born again later in life and, and not received Jesus, it could have hindered what God's whole plan was, but God will take us wherever we're at. Yeah. Yes, Amen? No matter how old you are, no matter what your age is, it's never too late with God. Amen. And the plan that he had before we were even thought about, can, you can engage into that plan at any age. Amen. At any age. And that doesn't mean that you, you could be doing something, you're doing something today that that's not God's plan for your life. I'm not saying that. I'm just telling you that if fear is keeping you from advancing, there are things that God wants to reveal to you. And David made this statement. He said, he said, I sought the Lord and he heard me. David said that God heard him. What does that mean? That meant that David had a relationship with God. Because he knew God heard him when he sought him. And when he sought him and God heard him, he delivered him of all of his fears. Wow. So does that mean that you and I can have some fear in our soul that, we're, that we battle with at times? Yeah. But you know, you know how you find it? You do what David did. You seek the Lord. Right? You, you don't go try to figure out what kind of fears in you. You just seek God. And in seeking God, God will speak to you and you'll hear him and things will begin to happen. Opportunities will come your way. I'm telling you, this is the day like never before for the body of Christ to find their place individually and in churches, find their place, stay in their places, and accomplish what God's called us to do. Amen? And you know what? They're, they're, they're not, and, and you know, I've, I've heard people say this before, but, but it's absolute truth. There are not stars in the body of Christ. There are not bigger people than other people. There are people that appear to be more successful, but they've exercised their faith and certain things have happened. But there are people that may not appear to be as successful that have exercised their faith just as much and things happen. I'm telling you, there's not, it, you, you don't have to try to be something that appears to be big or larger to be successful. Yeah. 
Amen? And we got to keep that in mind, everybody, because a lot of people get discouraged in doing things that God is leading them in because they don't see the total reward in that. And we don't want to be that type of a person. We don't want to, we don't want to downplay what God has for our life. And I'm telling you, everybody in here tonight, if there's fear that's keeping you from fulfilling your purpose and plan, as you seek God, God's going to reveal it to you. Amen? And he's going to show you. He is going to show you what is right for you. I wrote this down. This is a church, one cause. This is a church of receivers because there's no fear. This is a church of receivers because there's no fear in their lives. Where there's no fear, you're in a position to receive all that God has for you. Fear will, it, it, it will stifle your ability to receive from God. Many people don't think at times that they have a right to receive. And the next verse of Scripture, a couple of verses that we're going to look at, have to do with why people don't believe they have a right to receive. And, and fear is behind it because fear is the root to everything. Everything ugly, everything bad, everything evil, fear is the root to that. And God wants his people set free and delivered. Amen? Liberated and free of it. Now, back to Genesis, not Galatians, but Genesis. It's another G. Um, I'm just going to read, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to, lay a, a little foundation in about four different passages of Scripture and then drive my point home. Genesis 3 and verse 5. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open. Here's the story of of. Adam and Eve and God telling them what they can do and what they can have and what they can't have. I mean, the garden was theirs and everything in it except the one tree and the fruit on that tree. For God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree of desirable to make one wise... She took of its fruit and she ate. She also gave it to her husband with her and he ate it. So as Satan came into the garden to convince them of something that they already had and they already knew, as he lied to them, they bought the lie. Verse 7, Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid. All fear originated from right there. 
All fear originated from right there. I was reading this one day, and I always thought one thing about what made them afraid. And it says that, but I believe there's something a little deeper here. The Lord God called to Adam and said, where are you? Verse 9. And he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And, you know, when you think about this situation in the garden, there's a snake, supposedly he's on two feet, because he didn't go to his belly until God made him go to his belly. So he's, here's a snake standing on two feet, and every kind of animal that we know of, how many can think of an animal that you're afraid of? Think for a moment an animal. Maybe a snake. Amen. <laughs> Maybe other types of animals. They weren't afraid of the animals. There's, there, there, there's nothing in Scripture that tells us they were afraid of the animals. They weren't afraid of the animals. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? Then the man said, the woman. <laughs> it's that woman you gave me. Here starts the what? The blame game. Amen. Passing the buck. It's her fault. She looks over. It's his fault. He looks over. Nobody else to blame. <laughs> so they start the blame game. But why? Why? What were they afraid of? If you've ever driven down the highway here in Dallas when there weren't any cars and you were driving too fast and there's two red lights on behind you and you know you went too fast fear kind of grips your heart why? because you did wrong Adam and Eve were afraid because they sinned not because they're naked. I mean, maybe. I don't think they were afraid of each other because they were naked. And they weren't afraid of the animals. They were afraid because they sinned. And all fear starts right there. And every human being today on planet earth that's not fulfilling their destiny and what God has planned for them is because of fear. And you know what the fear is attached to? Sin. But beyond that, you know what it's attached to? Is the sin consciousness that goes with the things that we've done. So follow with me here. Luke chapter 5, 
just read you another story in driving home the point I'm making. Luke chapter 5. One day I was, my earthly father was in a service of mine and I was trying to find a verse of scripture and I kept flipping pages and flipping pages and after the service is over he said, uh, why don't you buy you some of those tabs? <laughs> I thought, yeah, maybe I will. Sorry, that was just a inside thing I was just thinking about here as I was trying to find this Luke chapter 5. Verse 1. So it was as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God that he stood by the lake and saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. And when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have, we've toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them and they came and filled both the boats so they began to sink. And Simon Peter saw it. He fell down at his knees saying, depart from me. What? I'm a sinful man. And you know, that was probably, that sin consciousness was probably Peter's issue all along. But it was also what he had a drive to get rid of. And that's why he had such great faith. Amen. He had such great faith. But here, you think when Jesus told him to go and drop his net after they had toiled all night, do you think he was really excited about doing that? Absolutely not. Doubt, unbelief, everything involved. But Peter comes and says, Depart from me, I am a sinful man. Had he kept that sin consciousness and the fear that's attached to that, Peter would have never fulfilled his purpose and plan on the earth, and you and I would have never had his letters to the church. But he got rid of that fear. And we saw it all through his life in the ministry of Jesus in the three years that Jesus was with him, we saw it all through his life. Faith, fear, faith, fear, faith, fear, faith, fear, faith, fear. Why? Because he had a past. And that sin consciousness is what loads people down with the lack of ability to fulfill what God's called them to do. And I'm telling you today, this is a church of receivers because you have no fear. Say amen to that. Amen. I'm telling you, I mean, you need to hear yourself saying that. I'm a receiver because I have no fear. Amen? No fear. No fear. We're fearless people. You know, in the last 
several years <clears throat> in ministry, my wife and I, we bought, a, we, we, our church bought a piece of property um, in 1999, and we owned that, we've owned that property, paid it off, paid cash for it. It took us four years to pay it off, and then we're paying cash for our building, and, and we, we went a long time and actually didn't get into our building till 2011. And, um, and we, were, we paid cash for the place until the last... Uh, the last year because of some issues that had, had cropped up and came up with our city. And they made it very difficult. I'm not against my city at all. I just, you know, just the way it was. Had a, you know, when you have a fire marshal that carries a pistol, <laughs> you know you got some issues. <clears throat> so, long story short, after, after a year and three months of dealing with the city, we finally got in our building almost a million dollars later. And uh, it was either that or it was going to cost us probably between three and a half and five million dollars to have to redo everything that we had done because of different building codes that had changed. And um, during that period of time and over the last four or five years, we've had some, some issues that we had never had in ministry before. And um, things that we didn't you know, we weren't looking for and we weren't expecting to happen. And um, when you find things arise and, and, and issues that crop up in your life that you're not expecting, what happens is buttons get pushed inside of you that you didn't know could be pushed. <laughs> and I have to say, personally, you know, my wife might say, or she would, she'd say other things. But I have to say, personally, what was pushed in my life was fear. The fear of the unknown of what was going to happen. Things didn't work out the way we had planned it. We had a plan. We were going to finish our building debt-free, you know, paying cash for it. And these issues cropped up. And, man, I mean, it was really easy. It was really easy, like Adam did, to blame the woman. I could stand up here and I could, in a, in a real justifying way, I could blame every city official in Kerrville for the situation that we're in. But they were just doing their job. Amen. And I had to get out of that and get free of the blame game because all that's attached to the blame game is fear. Yeah. See, and when you're blaming other people and you're in fear, you're not in faith. Right. And we went through a stretch of about four years till this last year of some pretty intense battles that were connected to fear. And I can tell you this, that if you stay faithful to God and you stay faithful to his word and you don't back off no matter what, even when it seems like, you know, it would be easier just to quit, just throw in the towel, just do something else. Even when it, when it appears that it would be easier to do that, I can testify today, if you stay faithful to it, God will always see you through. Amen? Always. Always. It doesn't matter. 
And you've got to deal with humiliation. You've got to deal with what other people think and say and all those kind of things. But you know, at the end of the day, let God be true. Let every devil and every man be a liar. Amen? Amen. <laughs> and, and I can tell you today that if you allow... If you allow faith to continue to arise through the word you hear, staying faithful to the house and the preaching of the house and the faith that's built up in that place, I'm telling you, that faith will see you through things that you in the natural would have never thought you could go through. I'm telling you. Time and time and time and time again. Amen? So, this experience with Peter was the greatest thing that ever happened in his life, right here. This experience right here in Luke chapter five, that was the greatest experience because the road to recovery and deliverance started that day. You know why? Because what Jesus actually did was he he forgave him. He forgave him of his unbelief. Now, he slapped him around a number of times in scripture, you know, along the way where there was unbelief in his life. But he accepted him right where he was at. I'm telling you what, your past of sin and disobedience to God or just disobedience in whatever way, that past will not dictate your future unless you allow it to. That's why we have to be liberated from sin consciousness. Can you say amen to that? One more story and then the last verse to drive it home. Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13. And verse 10. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bent over and could do in no way raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him, he called her to him and said to her, Woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. Amen. But the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, and he said to the crowd, There are six days on which men ought to work. Therefore, come and be healed on them and not on the Sabbath day. You know, I think if I was Jesus right there, I would have said, when was the last time you offered a healing service? Amen. They hadn't seen a healing in 400 years. (laughs) And he's complaining that he did it on the wrong day. Lord. Then the Lord, verse 15, then the Lord answered him and said, Hypocrite, does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it away to water? So ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound? Think of it for 18 years. Be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath. Notice what Jesus did. Jesus brought it in to make it a covenant issue. Seed of Abraham. Mm -mm -mm. You know why? 
because the talk of the people, the talk and the unbelief of the Pharisees was trying to get to the faith of the woman. Another thing that you and I can't allow to happen is people trying to convince us that we can't do what God says we can do. God says we can do whatever he puts inside of us. When the scripture says, I can do all things through Christ, who is my strength, what the scripture there doesn't say is that I can do anything I want to do. If the if I woke up one day at 57 and decided I was going to, I'm going to take Tim Duncan's place on the San Antonio Spurs. Oh, I'm sorry. This is Dallas. <laughs> There's some Spurs fans. Yeah. <laughs> Got two of them in here anyway. Um, because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Um, no, that's just stupid. You know, I mean, if God said that, yeah. But most of the time, God won't say that. Now, not every time, but most of the time. That's just something that I generate in, within myself that I can do all things. So I can just do whatever I want to do. No, I can do and accomplish whatever God says I can do. Amen? Amen. And people will try to talk you out of that. Naysayers and people, even that mean well, will say things to try to convince you that you can't do that. And you know what's tied to that? Fear. And all that fear originated in the garden. And the fear is there. You know, maybe I can't do that. You know, I don't really know anybody else that's ever done that, and maybe I can't do something like that. Yeah, if God said it, and you submit to God, and you draw near to God, and you get it from God, he'll deliver you of all the fear. Amen? Because it's the word today. It's not God coming down and doing, delivering you from fear. It's the, it's the word in the form of revelation igniting your, your soul and delivering you in your soul of fear that is attached. And you know what most of it is attached to? Sin consciousness. We have to be delivered of it. Because the more I'm delivered of being conscious of sin, I'll stop sinning. I'll stop disobeying. I won't not do what God says that I'm to do. I will do what he says. Because when you do what he says, then you prosper in what you do. Amen? And fear and people, like in this instance here, the reports of those Pharisees were trying to convince that woman that she didn't have a right to that. And Jesus brought it in and made it a covenant. She's a seed of Abraham. And they understood that. Amen? Hebrews chapter 10. And tonight I'll, I'll end with this. Hebrews chapter 10. And verse 14. For by one offering... <laughs> Just one offering. 
For by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. By one offering, he has perfected forever those, everybody say me, Me. who is being sanctified, right? We are being sanctified and set apart as we take the understanding of the world that we've had from the past and the understanding of God as those come together and the Word of God cleanses our past, what it's cleansing us with is what's already been perfected. So everything that you need from God is already set up. Tomorrow, as Miss Ann prayed tonight, this is the day that the Lord has made. It is. He made it. But he's already made tomorrow. He's already made next week. He's already made a hundred years from now. He's already made it. And he already made it good. It's already been done. Everything that you and I need has already been provided for. And I'm saying today, this is a church of receivers because there's no fear in you. Amen? Say it. I'm a receiver. There's no fear in me. Amen. Verse 15. But the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us, for after he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts and in their minds I will write them. Then he adds, their sins, their sins, their sins, and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now when there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. So all the sins that you will ever commit, you've already been forgiven of. Anything that you do in the form of disobedience, you've already been forgiven of. Is that a license to just, okay, I'm going to sin, so I might as well just go ahead and do it good? No. No, not at all. That should empower you and I to want to do right even that much more. Because... The, the, the sin consciousness that wants to weigh us down that we've already been delivered of, as that keeps us liberated by the blood of Jesus Christ, then that sin consciousness, it's actually wiped away. Amen? And when I don't give attention to it, then it has no power over me. Every time I revert back to it and I meditate on it and I tell myself how no good I am and I'm how worthless or whatever, you focus on that thing, you're giving that thing power because it has no power. It actually has been destroyed and defeated already is what this says. Look at these last two verses. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and a living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh. We have boldness to enter in face to face with God and receive everything that rightfully belongs to us. Amen? And I'm telling you, fear is not at the throne of God. 
As you boldly go before God, there's no fear. Amen? David sought the Lord. He, David was convinced that the Lord heard him in his seeking, and the Lord delivered him of all fear. And what happened as a result of that? David accomplished amazing things and amazing feats in his life. Why? No fear. No fear. What can you do with no fear? I'm telling you tonight, there's no end to what God, what God, there's, there's no end to what can be accomplished in your life, but there's no end to how much that he's already delivered you. Why? Because he loves you so much. God's love for you and I has delivered us. And I'm telling you tonight that fear has no power and no dominion over you. I want to just pray over you right now. Father, we thank you for the word tonight that is true. Lord, there's, a, there's an elementary truth in this message tonight that you told me to bring that is here to bring liberty and freedom to every single person at one level or another, myself included tonight. Even as I'm hearing this word tonight, I'm receiving that. There is no fear in me. Tonight, Lord, as people think about and, and meditate on issues that want to bring fear from this night forward, they're receivers of your grace and of your favor and of your power, and they are people that have no fear in them. Fear does not have place. Fear is leaving even as we're talking tonight. The authority that fear has had is being cut off, severed, and annihilated on their behalf. Tonight, Father, is the first day of the rest of their lives of walking in great faith free from fear. We believe it, and I stand in faith with them, and I thank you for it. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. and amen, and amen. amen. Glory to God. Amen. <clears throat> um, I think I've told you this before, but I, I was... Well, you knew this because you invited me to come. But it was about, when, when was the camp in Concan? Remember years ago, it was like 93, 4, something? 94. Uh -huh. January of 94. So I had met a prophet, came to my town, and came to our church probably at a certain time, came every, every month and taught our town the prophetic. And uh, 1994, I had just met him, maybe the year before I had met him. And uh, so I didn't really have a good sense about prophetic ministry because it seemed like to me it was just a bunch of guessing, you know. <laughs> God says that you'll never have hair again. <laughs> you know, or something. Stupid. 
you know? I mean, it, it just seemed like prophetic words were like that. I mean, it's, duh. You know, I mean, it's like, now I wouldn't prophesy on that, especially if you're believing for a whole head. <laughs> but um, I, I, I didn't have, I just didn't have put a lot of stock in the prophetic. I, I, just people that I had been around, not that it wasn't real, but speaking personal prophetic words. Just didn't put a lot of stock in that. So, so somebody, I think you invited me to come to Concan, or somebody did, and uh, I went down to Concan to the, it was the college and career or something like that, yeah. And I don't know, there's probably 40, 50 people, young people there. And uh, I drove over from Kerrville, and, and uh, as I'm driving there, I'd never, I'd never prophesied over anybody until that time, and I didn't come there to prophesy. I was just going to share with the, the young people. As I'm driving there, same thing happened to me as I was driving here as it's happened to me many, many times. And like when I was driving here, I, 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 I was, we were getting close, and I, kept tell, I just told my wife, I said, you know, I, I, I don't sense anything with the prophetic tonight. But the way it works with me is, I feel like my head opens up. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's just a feeling. It's like if you've got something maybe pressing on you and you get it off your head, you know, or if you've got a hat on your head all day long, you take it off and it kind of feels light, you know. That's the way it is with me. So I got probably 100 miles from here, and uh, it just got light again. And I got in my hotel room and... That's when God gave me that word for the two of you. It was that, that Luke 1 verse of scripture. So it's prophetic. And the thing that I like about the prophetic is that, I mean, I, I don't prophesy a lot in my home church. I'm like, right? I mean, hardly at all. But every time I leave, this thing will just happen with me. Like it happened that day in Concan. And... You know, the scriptures are real clear. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, when it talks about the, the, the nine gifts of the Spirit, those gifts are as God wills them in a moment. Amen. You know? I, I'm not so much... I, I know different people, you know, people that are actually prophets operate in the word of... the, the gift of the word of wisdom and the gift of the word of knowledge pretty predominant. You know, they'll operate that way. But you can't work that up. You know, you can't make that happen in your life. It's something as God wills in the moment. And so, as you develop a life of faith, of just natural faith in believing God for things, you, your faith level has to be to a certain place where you can be used by God to do that. God, God's going to speak things to you to speak to people, and you have to have faith to do that, you know? So there are things about the prophetic that are, to me, are really challenging, but, man, that makes it exciting, you know? And, and so, you know, be afraid tonight. No, I'm <laughs> That's what one of my prophet friends used to say all the time, so I just copied him. Anyway, <laughs> be afraid, be afraid. But, but I, I, what I like about it is that the gifts of the Spirit in operation, the gift of the Word of knowledge did not say book of knowledge. It's not hours and hours of somebody telling you what you need to know. It's just a word. You know, and I'm just, I don't just mean one 
four-letter word, you know. Not, I mean, four, you know, <laughs> however many letters it is. I mean, I mean, however many letters it is. Not, but it, that didn't come off right. Not just one word, but, but words, you know. It, it, it's, it's specific words. And, um, and then you take that and you let that minister to you. And, and I can just say, I mean, this isn't going to be long tonight because I, I don't sense that I have a lot, but I'm just going to start because I have two people that I, I've, I've, I have words for tonight other than what I'd given earlier. And, uh, and then we'll just see where it goes. But one really good thing about the prophetic is it, is it when, when it's right and it's from God, it's going to either be something that confirms what you already know or something that stirs you in faith to believe for something. Not go try to make that word, make that word happen. That, 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 that won't do it. You, you, we don't make words happen, right? And, and you actually, you can't make that word come to pass. It won't. But it'll challenge you to have faith to believe for things in your life that are going to take you to another level. And that's what the, that's all, that's really what it's for. And it's not a better gift than, than any other gift, you know. But tonight as I operate in predominantly in just in, in the two words I have right now are the gift of the word of wisdom and the, and the gift of the word of knowledge. And so as I, as I give these out, um, receive the words and then let them Work on your behalf in a positive way. Amen? I just felt compelled to, to say that tonight. Tell me your name. Josh. Josh? Um, I just, the message tonight that I preached on fear, there's things in you that God is bringing out of you and liberating your life from any fear of the past. Because, because your future, your future could be hindered if the fear isn't removed. And you'll know what it is. God will show you and reveal to you. As you seek the Lord, he's going to reveal to you what that is. But there's something seated inside of you. When I was preaching the word, the Lord said, this word tonight, I, I don't bring a word and preach to somebody. But there was pieces of that word that were for you. Because your future is really bright. And, and God will do anything but not through fear. Because fear will cause you to, fear will cause you to make decisions at times that are going to hurt you. And he don't want any decision that you make in the future to be in fear, no matter what it is. So as you seek God, he'll reveal that to you. Amen? Amen, 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 amen. God's a good God. Amen? He's a good God. Good God. Good God. Awesome. What's your name? Nathan. Nathan. That prophesied over you last year? Thought I had it written down. No. <clears throat> um, as, as I was preaching, the Lord just said this to me in, in, a, in a really simple way that well w what I saw was music I don't know if you're musically inclined or if you play anything and you don't need to answer that it doesn't matter one way or the other but 
music does something to me, and there's a specific thing in your life, and, and like I said, I wasn't seeing you as playing something necessarily, but there's something that's really precious in your life, like music is to me, that God is developing and bringing you to another level in. And, and that thing that, that is precious to you that maybe you want to cover up or hold on to, God wants there to be a release there in your life. Amen? And, and you, you'll watch as you develop it and you kind of let it go and let it expand, some amazing things are going to happen with it. Something that's really close to your heart. God wants you to develop and let it go and let it blossom and let it mature and develop. Amen? Amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.